0: We call this podcast Down the TV Rabbit Hole with Jim Sine and Harry Bartoszak. The reason we call it that is because my name is Jim Syan and his name is Harry Bartoszak. I just made that up. That's pretty funny, isn't it?
1: Hey, Jim, how are you? <laughs> it's nice to begin a programming day with you.
0: It, it's good to be with you and I gotta tell you, now with my new job working at the radio station in Mandeville, I'm listening to a lot of our previous podcasts and I must say, we're pretty good. We've yeah. got some good podcasts in the bank.
1: I think so. We should start our own network. And did you say you're working in Mellonville?
0: (laughs) No, Menville.
1: Mellonville would be better. (laughs) Well, it's like Hooterville, you know? I mean... Well, of course, Mellonville is the fictional, although I think it's real, location of my favorite TV network. That I understand we might talk about today, correct?
0: Wow. I, you know what? I didn't even realize that, but we'll save that for two minutes from now because I got a, a little bit of house cleaning for you on the rabbit hole. Okay. Right All right. Now, as you know, in our last episode that we broadcast and, and posted on the internet, mm-hmm. you, did, you did the show Real People, as well as That's Incredible. Right. Yes. And our favorite listeners, My John favorite Grew, shows. Course,
1: That's why I did that.
0: Well, exactly. Two of your favorite shows from your youth. And they were important. I mean, everyone watched uh, That's Incredible and Real People when they were on. Um, but John Kuhn immediately texted me. At first, he was very complimentary. He says, oh, great episode. Wow, wow, wow. Oh. But then he then he had one little thing that you kind of forgot in Real People. Oh. And, uh, and so I went down the rabbit hole and I found another thing. When you mentioned the hosts, you didn't mention
1: Peter Billingsley. Okay, well, okay. So you think I forgot to mention that? or was it, No, you just uh, didn't
0: mention him. And, and to me... He wasn't he a host. Oh, he wasn't a host. See, there's a promotional it, picture with him in it. John said he was a host.
1: Well, my understanding and, uh, is that he was a host of an offshoot type program that was like for real people for kids, okay? Not All the right. actual real people. Now, I could be wrong. It's happened once or twice, uh, but uh, you know, uh, once or twice every three or four minutes of our show. Uh, but um, I thought he was a—I didn't mention him because I thought he was like host of an offshoot of Real People. And when we were already talking about a show that I considered to be somewhat bad, I thought I'm not going to give a lot of time to offshoots, you know. And no, we should this, mention this is Peter this is,
0: Billingsley. Yeah. We should mention Peter Billingsley what's of course most famous for playing Ralphie in a Christmas story, the movie
1: yeah, he could have been on that's incredible as the guy who shot his eye out maybe
0: <laughs> right exactly, but <laughs> it was in that same time frame where he still had the glasses and he still looked like Ralphie from a Christmas story
1: yeah, so okay, now you got me all like worked up here, so I'll we'll have to figure <laughs> Don't it <worry>. out.
0: <laughs> no. Well,
1: and the thing is, John wasn't mad. He's never mad.
0: He loves our mm-hmm. stuff. But he said, well, wait a minute. He didn't mention Peter Billingsley. So if you want, I'll do the, cur- I'll, I'll do the research and put it in the corrections.
1: Yeah. Uh, or I will. But in any event, okay. apologies in advance. And then if it turns out I was right, um, cut, that, cut that comment yeah. out.
0: Just send John a mean text at like 2.30 in the morning and wake his ass up. So that will okay. be a good one. All yes. right. And the other thing I want to mention is, is you didn't mention Mark Russell is one of the hosts of real people and not that many people know who mark russell
1: is but i well i did know that mark russell i didn't consider him a host i thought he was a feature presenter here or there i could be wrong my recollection was they had him on kind of like in an andy rooney role or something like that where he would be on there briefly here and there to say some witty you know uh things that maybe sometimes were witty and maybe sometimes weren't. i I know Mark Russell was on uh, PBS all the time as a sort of a political commentator and he would have these specials where he'd play the piano and sing political parody songs. Ed
2: Koch was looking manic and contributes to the panic and fiasco. He clobbered Jesse with the bat of Jaime Town and Arafat and Castro. Democrats' assessment of this dire circumstance, back when we had McGovern, we at least had a chance.
1: You know, he was funny and all that, but I knew about him, I just elected, you know, when you have a wealth of material, like real people provides, you can, you, right. you're going to have to give short shrift. To sure. No, I didn't hardly talk about added. Fred Willard either, right? So but, Well, we, uh, did,
0: we did that just because we didn't want to tarnish his memory because right. we like him too much, so. You're right, oh, but I, you I, know I,
1: what? I'm glad the mailbag's heated up, even though we only really still have one listener, probably. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> M- remember, remember, we got the guy. We got the guy who loves us, and I forget where he's from. I don't even know if I know where he's from.
1: But he just oh, sent me an yeah. email about
0: a week ago. Yeah, he put a post up on one of our uh,
1: uh, entries on Facebook. Hey guys, all right, another good one, or something like that. Fabulous. So. Okay. Well, I'm grateful. I think his name is Danny, but anyway, nice. Yeah. to Thanks for listening. All right. Once
0: again, just a little bit of house cleaning before we get to the meat of our of our broadcast today. I didn't realize this until literally three days ago, and I stared at the TV for like thirty minutes. No, well not thirty, about thirty seconds, trying to put two and two together. But I was watching The Waltons, which I really didn't watch much when it was on. <laughs>
1: So oh i god, them. How bored do you have to be in twenty twenty one to watch the Waltons? <laughs> well like no you're idea. exactly
0: right. No, I you I, I cannot disagree with you in that one. But I'm standing I'm sitting there and they've got like the, the parents and then they've got their grandparents and then John Boy. So it was five of them and they're all talking and it was really just a five shot. You know, they weren't zooming in on people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at the right hand side of the screen and I'm seeing Grandma Walton. And I'm going, yeah. There's Grandma Walton. Okay, yeah. And I'm like Wait a minute, I know her from, my, who, I, my God, you know who she was? She was Mrs. Lesh on the Andy Griffith Show who sold uh, sold Barney that terrible uh, uh, car.
1: With the sawdust in the engine. Please, get in the car and and take it to a mechanic. No. Now, how much do you want, Mrs. Lesh?
2: Oh, I know so little about such matters. I have the total on those figures, the funeral home, the lawyer, the property and inheritance tax, and it comes to $297.50. What a coincidence, I just happen to have exactly. Probably more, but... How'd you do, mate? Unloaded another one, Jake. 300 easy clams from the sucker of the world.
1: Let's blow.
2: Bless
0: you, Jake. All right, I gotta tell you about the worst hour of TV that I've experienced uh, since we did our last podcast. Okay. It was at 5 p.m. Central Time, and I was watching, and I always get all the channels confused. I I think it was Legends, because at 5 o'clock, they run the Love Boat. So they start off the Love Boat, and I'm like, oh, Love Boat, and I always like to see the guest stars, you know, because that's the fun part. And I don't hear Jack Jones. I hear Marilyn McCoo.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So you know it's one of the last two seasons, and Mm -hmm. so so these are the guest stars, okay? Uh Uh-huh. Quinn Cummings
1: no idea who that is
0: yeah she was a child actress and she did like she did bit parts and like had a sitcom she was kind of on if you see her you'll recognize her. okay yeah all right so she's on the Gatlin brothers
1: uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> the male Ross. mandrells I call them okay yeah exactly yeah. Well, Marion uh, Ross was a regular there towards the end as the love interest of uh, Gavin McCloud.
0: And this was right as they were pursuing that because she yeah. did one cruise
1: and then she immediately gets on
0: the next cruise because she wants to spend more time in this episode with Gavin McCloud. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's Lame. just Lame. It's so yeah it was very lame, and it's there's no chemistry, and I love Marion Ross for God's right. sake, but it just yeah, who poor casting you know terrible right. terrible, terrible and the other person <laughs> the other featured performer was Michael Winslow <laughs> from <laughs> police, <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, this guy, yeah. One trick pony, he milked that for all it was worth. Yeah, And you know, and and, and I knew
0: people who worked with him, and I think I worked with him. I'm not sure if I worked with him or not. My memory's starting to fail. But he's great in the clubs because he's standing there with just a microphone, and he's getting all these sounds. You're like, oh, this is great. But to put him on TV and have him do that stuff, just not funny. Not even remotely funny.
1: No, Not sorry. at all. He would have made a good assistant manager at Kmart, I'll say that. Give him oh, the intercom and he could do wonders, yeah.
0: He would have been excellent. Now, blue see, Life? It, it, well, we had, remember, we, we cast <laughs> the Kmart movie many years ago. Uh, right, yeah. And we, did, we had Pee Wee Herman working in the toy department. We had Tony Randall and Cameron Jewelry. What else did we have? Well, we, doesn't
1: we Gordon her, jump the manager?
0: I think so, yeah. That would be perfect casting. So, yes, let's say
1: that's what we did. George Lindsay and Jim Neighbors were in the auto shop. (laughs) Exactly. Very good, yeah. Yeah. Eddie Albert in uh, well, the garden department? No, that, that wouldn't make sense. Um, that, Kmart yeah. movie. Now I have to revisit that. Now you got me thinking again. You got my mind spinning out of control again. Who was security? Was it Asa from the uh, Andy Griffith show? <laughs> that would have
0: been good. No, I think we went yeah. a little more contemporary. Um, but I know we had, I know, it, it, and this was the, uh, the brilliant casting. We had Larry Bud Melman on the blue light.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Attention, Game Art Choppers.
0: And can you see him there with
1: the Hello-a-day, blue light? Hello, co- The flashing he, blue light.
0: He'd be standing like next to the blue light, and of course, the blue light wouldn't be erect. It'd be like you know, falling over to the side because it's just so lame and so old. And he'd have that. He'd be struggling with his price gun to reticket the merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh my. All God. right. Okay, and so anyway, so I'm halfway through Love Boat, and I say, you know what, this is lame. I'm going to switch over to Happy Days, which is on MeTV at 5.30. Mm -hmm. And I turn it on, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And they go, Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. And they're starring Henry Winkler and Marion Ross, blah, blah. And then they get to the part where it's Goodbye, Gray Sky, Hello, Blue. And of course, it's Anson Williams. Yeah, Patsy's standing there, he's singing. He's on the stage, but because... Ralph was gone, and Richie was gone. They had Scott Bayo on the drums, uh-huh. and Al Molinero playing piano. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Was he dressed in his encore frozen entree lab coat?
0: No, he was wearing that same vest that I think he wore the last three yeah. years of the of the series. But I'm like, wait a minute. Al plays piano? I didn't any, come on. Couldn't no. he come up with something?
1: I mean. Yeah, of course he didn't play piano.
0: Yeah. No. Well, anyway, and the, and the rest of the episode. Oh, and by the way, I really think that the, the true Jump the Shark moment in Happy Days, and of course, the definition of Jump the Shark is Fozzie Jumping the Shark. Mm-hmm. But I really think, for me, any time that Jenny Piccolo appears in the opening credits, you know, as soon as that started, the show is over.
1: Did right. they have her? Uh, oh, yeah, I know she got a more yeah. prominent role, but was it towards the end or was it like in the middle? Oh, yeah. okay. I, no, I
0: think, it was, I think it was the last two seasons. And, and Even
1: after Ron Howard was gone?
0: It was after Ron Howard was gone, and I think maybe one or two years after that, that's when that, Jenny Piccolo came in. Okay,
1: I don't want to get into it with you because we'll, no, we'll get no, sidetracked. No. But, yeah, okay, yeah, no no more Jenny Piccolo talk. That's it's, it's not going to be good ratings.
0: <laughs> no, you're, as a matter of fact, I think I'm probably going to edit that part out. So, <laughs> okay. all right, let, let's get to the meat on the bone because we've talked about this one here for the last couple of weeks, and I think it's going to be very interesting because – Mm. Our remembrances are going to be extremely different and varied, I think, only because yeah. the show had such a strange history. It's one of the greats of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's SCTV.
1: Oh! Which... <laughs> and we're going to do the show
0: in 3D. Now, see, that's
1: another part. Did you see, see that? Remember, it came right out at you.
0: Go ahead. I remember so... Uh, not little, but my my memories are so scattered of the show mm-hmm. because first of all, it started in Canada, and I, now I'm going to my research. It it ran, it was on the air from seventy six until eighty four. It started on in 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 Canada for like three years. It was an offshoot of Toronto's Second City. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those Second City guys were on the show. All told, it went six seasons, one hundred and thirty five episodes. But it was on on Canada from seventy six until eighty three. And then NBC took some of those episodes and started running them after Saturday Night Live from 81 yes. to 83. And then Cinemax bought rights and uh-huh. started running some of the stuff. And it may have even been first run from 83 to 84. So
1: 83 so- was the last year, but then they showed some in 84. Yeah, the Cinemax thing was weird, a bunch of them were gone, but yeah, it, it was very disjointed. And there was ni- those NBC shows were 90 minutes, which was great, but it was like, wow, that's a long time. Because uh, a lot of them were 30 minutes when they first started, or 60, so it was all over the place, kind of. And yes. people came and went and everything, and so, but... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but,
0: I'm, no, that's exactly what I want you to do because trust me, my research is very sketchy on this because it's right. tough to find this stuff. Well, and and, and, yeah. and we remember it so differently because you know you may have been watching on on Cinemax. I don't think I ever saw it on Cinemax.
1: I don't. I didn't have Cinemax back then. That was back in the day when like you were kind of a rarer bird if your family had HBO even. Which was great because that was like the closest thing to like porno you could get was an HBO you know uh, channel or something. But uh, in 1976, when they first started the show, you're right. All the people um, who were on the show to begin with, uh, we've got uh, Dave Thomas, uh, yep. Joe Flaherty. Were kind of the head writers of the show. I don't know that they had that title, but anyway, those guys. They sat down in a room with. Uh, It was Del Close, who had been um, the head of Second City in Chicago. Harold Ramis, who was not in the Toronto cast, but he was the only one at this meeting and then there was a, another guy, um, oh my God, is so important, his name is Andrews, his last name, but he, he stayed with him the whole time as he was kind of one of the co-creators of the show. They came up with the idea at this meeting for, uh, to have uh, on Canadian TV a skit show, uh, basically taking the Second City you know, skits, uh, that format and putting it on TV. So they came up with the idea of a television station where they could basically have unlimited amounts of material, you know, because they could do all kinds of different shows and different characters and do them as skits. And then I don't know that they talked a lot at the time about also having the characters of the people who ran the station and you know who, who were celebrities on the station. But th- that became a big running thing too. But anyway, Harold Ramis, just to clarify, wasn't on in in the Toronto cast, but he did then get a assigned to the cast of the show right from the beginning uh for the for, was on for the first year and a half and then came back for a couple or one or two shows later too but uh that's how it started uh and i thought you know pretty ingenious to come up with this idea this vehicle of a te- fake tv station to be able to do basically whatever kind of sketch you want and they just went to town for all those years what was it like oh, yeah. eight eight years
0: and in, in the thing that i think made it so great is the fact that they were able to do parodies and i love the parodies oh. I think. yes perry como is still alive
3: what did you think of the show
2: well some people call him mr relaxation I thought tonight's show was a little up-tempo, but he's still my favorite entertainer.
1: They
0: were the kings of the parodies, and and then they did their own fictional shows with yeah. fictional characters that they came up with, and then there was even fictional behind-the-scenes stuff with station uh-huh. management, and that's the stuff that I'm kind of sketchy on because oh. Guy Caballero. Well, right? let me
1: tell you, I'm <laughs> Guy Caballero, and uh, president and owner of SCTV... And I'm in this wheelchair not because I can't walk, because I can, it's for respect. So I get respect, people. Yeah. So I mean, and then we had uh, Bill Needle, the station manager who had his own show that was, uh, about Bill Needle's mailbag when they uh, people would write in and, and the show got whittled down to, to where it was uh, like two, only two minutes and then it was one minute and then they gave him like 20 seconds and then he was off the air completely. I mean, it, yeah, they had all this behind the scenes stuff. But uh, yeah, so Guy Cavalier, I mean, Jerry Todd, uh, he had his own show. Hey, this was Jerry Tad, and we're going to show some video here uh, down the TV rabbit hole. It was like he was like a precursor to MTV videos, and um, I mean, there was just so much. I, see, this is the problem. You wind me up, and I can go. So I'm going to let you guide the ship here. Keep us in the proper direction, and I'll weave in bob. But uh, the the it was just so freaking hilarious with Edith Prickly. I mean, yes. Uh, you know, she was uh, uh, Andrea Martin all dressed up in uh, uh, leopard skin leather. And, she, you know, I believe in miracles. Where are you from, you sexy thing? You know, uh, and. Uh Oh my God! Did you see? Remember the okay? When can I get on a roll about all the different skits that that I like? Or we should do it later. But uh, no, no, I'm no, just you're, gonna you're, remember.
0: You're setting the stage perfectly because the management part is the stuff that I was just so yeah. barren on, knowledge-wise. You know, I knew Guy Caballero was was the head guy. Edith Prickly, what was she? The owner? The the.
1: Edith Prickley was a personality kind of like she would do all kinds of different shows like cooking shows or she oh, okay. would do interview shows. She'd have those Coke bottle, uh, you know, horned rim glasses and the leopard skin leather and she just outrageous uh, character, cracked jokes. And she they would have her. She eventually took over station manager, I think, for Bill Needle uh, later okay. in the uh, when Dave Thomas left. Yeah, and so, and then of course they had Johnny LaRue, who was an in house player, played by John Candy. Oh, Mr. Cavaliero, give me my own crane shot. He was always wanting, uh, you know, the big shows. He would do like an exercise show where he'd have like a big uh, uh, satin bathrobe and he'd be sitting in his apartment and he's like, all right, now let's open the refrigerator. A one, a two, a three, a four. Reach, you know, he would. Take cigarettes, putting into your mouth, one, two, three, four, exercising with LaRue, yeah, dining with LaRue, where they were just drinking massive amounts of beer and ex- mass quantities of food. And, uh, and then he got fired from all these shows because they were too expensive and he wouldn't show up and he was drinking too much. And so you know, he, he wanted a crane shot, which Guy Caballero didn't want to give to him because it was too expensive. So finally, in the Christmas special in 1981, Guy Caballero made him go out and do a show called Street Beef, where get out there, LaRue, just you, one microphone, and that's it. You understand? No crane shot. And, but it's too cold outside. Oh. And so, LaRue, instead of being able to stay at the Christmas party smoking cigarettes with these big breasted uh, showgirls, had to go out in the street, and there was nobody out there, and it was freezing, and he drinks, and then he's talking about. How his life is terrible, and he finally takes the microphone and falls over in the street. And then they pan off, and at the end, it ends with Santa Claus appearing and giving Johnny LaRue a crane shot. And they show him panning back, 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 and up, up, up. And there's this big crane. He's like, ah! So, and you know, so, so wait, uh, Johnny, wait, was LaRue, Johnny LaRue was he dead. Was he dead at that point? He wasn't dead, he was just drunk.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's yeah. <laughs>
1: see, he tried to get in. He was freezing cold, and he tried to get into... He's like, he's going in and trying to open the doors to all the, the stores nearby that are all shut down because it's Christmas Eve, and he's like, right. here's the Beef and Booze. They've got to be open. You know they're open. He goes, let me in. And then he falls down in the, in the gutter, basically, because he couldn't get into the Beef and Booze. What a name for a restaurant, by the way.
0: Now, see, your memory again, and I knew you were going to do this, and I'm so glad you did, because... I can remember, and maybe it's even, you know, been in the last 20 years, that I'll go to YouTube and I'll type in SCTV, and I'll see the classics, you know, I'll see, and I wish we could play the whole thing, but it's all music, so we'd get sued, but uh, the Perry Como uh, uh, <laughs> oh.
1: promo. <laughs> oh, Perry Como's Still Alive special. Yes. Yeah, where he's, <laughs> he does, he's so relaxed that he's actually performing, um, laying down, like on a daybed <laughs> and on a couch. <laughs> I I love the nightlife, I love the boogie in the disco.
0: (laughs) But yeah, he's like in a big chair, then he's in a day bed, a couch, then at one point he's actually lying on the floor (laughs) with the microphone, he's not even holding the microphone, the microphone's on the ground next to him.
1: Barry Como is still alive, special.
0: and then they cut to the actualities, the interviews of people who had just seen the show. And John Candy is one of them. And he's like, oh, yeah, no. He says, I've seen his show about five, six times. Another great one. A little too up-tempo for my taste. But, you know." But-
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And another one that you see that's a big hit is, that's replayed a lot is The Battle of the PBS Stars. Remember where they show Martin Short as Fred Rogers and John Candy as Julia Child in a boxing match? And and uh, <laughs> no, I don't Eugene, remember that Eugene Levy is Howard Cosell and Rogers lands a left to the right. Child has got him in the corner. Child, Rogers this is a disgrace. And they're beating the living bejesus out of each other. And uh, yeah, no, that that was hilarious. Um, but they would do that. They would have these. I mean, they, the ideas for the parodies were just flat out hilarious and funny. And were a little more like little more lower brow, like flat out, like right up our alley, rather than Saturday Night Live, which I love too. But they, they would do great skits and they would sometimes have parodies, like they would do the Coneheads on Family Feud and stuff. But right. SCTV, they just parodied the living shit out of, of every TV show. And like you said, sometimes there were fake shows and sometimes they were real. Um, they did, um, they, they would even have oddball parodies that you would never think of. And like they did a long form thing. About some aliens that take over the station, and uh, it was like how you know, they turn people into zombies. I think there was this guy called Zantar, and he was turning people into sort of a zombie-like state. But the way you knew that they were turned into zombies, cabbage would be growing out of their uh, uh, out of their neckline. And the main guy who was controlling it all was <clears throat> a guy that looked just like. Hank Bain, I mean Conrad Bain from uh, different strokes, but it was Hank Bain in real life he has a, he has a twin hank bain conrad no bain's way. brother, so there's a whole episode around how th- that he was visiting scTV like who would ha- think of to have on and they made, they said, yes, this is hank bain it's Conrad Bain's brother. Then it turns out he was Zontar, I think, too. Right? I'd have to look back and see how that unfolded. But, I mean, just the stuff they come up with. I mean, to, so um, it's just now, one hilarious. Now, one of
0: the ones that they did, one of the ones that they did three or four or maybe even more times and it's basically the exact same script, but each time it's just hilarious, is when they do the fake Jeopardy show, Halfwits.
1: Oh yes, Halfwits, yes, with (laughs) Alex Trebell.
3: Now Blanche, you're a secretary, is that right? That's correct, Alex. I work for Mr. Hargrove. I see, and what uh, line of work is your employer in? He's the boss. (laughs) Blanche, you're telling us that uh, you're single, is that right? That's correct, Alex i Well, good to have you here, Blanche, and good luck to you tonight. Thank you, Alex. Arthur Andrew Liggett. Hi, Alex. Now, Arthur, you were telling us that you are in medical research. Would you care to tell us a little about that? I lied. I'm sorry? I lied. I thought it would sound good on TV. <clears throat> well, what exactly uh, do you do for a living, Arthur? Well, it's a job. It's nothing special. What, what, what kind of a job? Uh, just a job, you know, not a normal job. What do you do for a living? Uh, Whoa, well, I, I work. Where? Oh, around. All right, I don't have time for this. Arthur, Alex, good to have you here, uh, and good luck to you. Warehouse. That's fine, Arthur, I don't really care at this point. Lawrence should, Orbach, I should, Arthur, I, I don't care what you do. Thank you. Now, Lawrence, you were telling us you're still in school. right oh, Alex. Postgraduate work?
2: No, high school. I'm having some degree of difficulty getting through high school. I see. Well, good but to have I'll you here. I'll
3: do it. <clears throat> I'm sure you will, Lawrence, and uh, because I, I
2: have certain goals in life, I feel compelled to complete. Very, very good. One of oh. which is becoming a
3: circuit court judge. Good. Good to have ambitions. And the second is perhaps playing professional hockey. Good to have you here, Lawrence, and uh, good luck to you tonight. Right.
1: On. Levy actually later gave permission to Norm McDonald because I guess Norm wrote the skit for S. For Saturday Night Live, where um, what's his name? What's uh, Will Ferrell played uh, Alex Trebek? You know when they did a bunch of Jeopardy skits, uh, right. they, they and uh, but they, they gave credit to Eugene Levy for being the first uh, Alex Trebek oh. impersonator on Half Wits, and said, "Is it okay if we kind of steal that part for our our Jeopardy skit?"
0: Oh, and to me, I mean those, those are the funny, funniest Saturday Night Live skits over the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that Norm MacDonald was smart enough to call Eugene Levy and say, hey, dude, you know, we're kind of ripping this off. We're just making the celebrities the dumb ones instead of normal people. Um, yeah. And that's what made it perfect. I mean, because, you know, there wasn't one celebrity, you know, even when Tom Hanks <laughs> played himself. You know, he got caught in a dry-cleaning, uh, uh, you know, a plastic bag, for God's sake. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. No, that was, uh, And, and halfways every time they'd have the same, you know, and I wish I could remember better, but, um, but John Candy... Uh, he just played a dumb guy, but there was the girl that would always try to answer before they even asked the question.
1: (laughs) I haven't finished the question yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then then who was it? Oh, God, who was the guy? He had the big fake nose. Do you remember? They gave him a big fake nose for whatever reason. Um, Oh, God, one of the great, one of the guys. I think, was it Tony? Was it Tony Rosado? Um, But anyway, he was the guy, and he would always... uh, He would have an answer, but it was always an answer that somebody else had already used that was wrong. (laughs) I was going to say that. Yes, but we know that's wrong. Oh, okay, but I was going to say that one. And, And literally, it was the same script every time, just different questions. And each time, it's hilarious.
1: That is awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, they would do some other game shows, too. Like, I remember they did What's My Shoe Size, where it looked like it was from the 50s, like Once by Line, and John Candy sign in. What's your name, please? Barry Stubing. Okay, Mr. Stubling, welcome to what's... No, it's Stubing. What's My Shoe Size? And then uh, they would ask, uh, like, Catherine O'Hara would be dressed up like, uh, what, Kitty O'Shea or whoever, what, like these old-time actresses that would be on those shows, and say... Are your feet large enough to propel a small ocean going craft? John Candy would be good. um, and he'd confer with, uh, he'd whisper something to the host. They'd not yet, the answer is yes. Yeah, and then it turns out his feet were like 24 and a half, and he'd prop them up on the desk, his huge shoes and stuff. But I mean, just the bizarre, like, absurdist comedy. Like, they had a bunch of commercials, like, they would show in between their fake shows, you know, like they did right. one, I remember, for spray-on socks. Are you tired of droop around the ankle? And they showed, like, a can where you can spray on a new argyle flavor, you know, and uh, people spraying on socks. Shower in a briefcase, you know, need a quick shower and have nowhere to go? And then they open up a briefcase and the water comes spraying out. Alpex used fruit, I remember that one. And, of course, <laughs> Texan and the Boils, Organ Emporium, four and a half miles of beautiful organs. Come on down, we've got Sausages for the kitties. Those piggies sure are greasy, so don't touch the organs. Come on down to Texas and the Boyles Organ Emporium. You know, that way they'd have a- God,
0: your memory <laughs> is infallible.
1: Uh, or, infallible, you I mean, Mrs. Falbo, Mrs. Falbo's tiny town. Remember that with a- Andrea Martin? She plays kind of this, it's like a children's show where she's like this kind of weird woman who tries to impart knowledge to kids and John Candy's dressed up like a joker. He's this big fat mess. Mr. Messenger, oh, Mrs. Falbo. And, uh, then later they have uh, Andrea Martin had her own, uh, oh, she was on Sesame Street doing that character. But, really? Uh, yeah. Now I'm getting a little far afield. But oh, I wanted to make sure to do... Uh, you you must have loved the Sammy Maudlin show, which was kind of based, kind of like... Uh, Sammy Maudlin was kind of like... I think it was based on the Sammy Davis Jr. show that was on briefly. And you're probably one of the only people on Earth who actually saw that show or know about it or read a book about it. But he had a co-host named William B. Williams. So on this, uh, this guy, Sammy Maudlin, on... SCTV was played by Joe Flaherty, and he'd, he'd be, like, smoking and ah, laughing and everything. Ah, isn't that great? That? And uh, John Candy was the, like, like Ed McMahon, William B. Williams, so everything would be like, isn't that wonderful? Aren't you wonderful? You're so funny. You know, just clapping. And then they'd have this guest, Bobby Bittman, who was, like, a washed-up entertainer, played by Eugene right. Levy, who would come out and he'd have the catchphrase. He'd come out, he'd had the chains and his hair sticking out all over his chest. Hey, how are ya? <laughs> and then uh, Lola Heatherton, who was a mishmash yes. of Joey Heatherton and Lola Falana, and she, her, her catchphrase was, I want to bury your children. But it was all like no talent, like, Class C Rat Pack parody kind of a thing. And, and, you know, their version of The Tonight Show. And actually, during the Christmas special, Sammy Maudlin was smoking so much, he lit the Christmas tree on fire, and they had to cut away from the Neil Simon interview because the stage was uh, inferno.
0: (laughs) Now, now wait a minute. Did that really happen, or did that fake happen? Oh,
1: it fake happened. I mean, it was part of the sketch. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) So that's (laughs) even funnier. (laughs) Yeah. No, I do remember that show, and I remember it... But see, here's the thing with SCTV with me. When I watched it in the early 80s, I think, on NBC, mm-hmm. yeah. I really wasn't hip enough to get a lot of the stuff. I'm like, I would uh-huh. get some of it, and then it would be like, okay, I really don't get this, but it seems funny. Oh, I kind of got that. Like when they did... The Merv, what was it? The Merv Griffith show.
1: Yeah. Ooh, the Merv. Isn't that fabulous? He plays like Andy Griffith, but it's Merv Griffith with a really big butt in the courthouse, um, and he'd be interviewed. It'd be. It was like the Andy Griffith show and the Merv Griffith show combined, right? Where, and
0: Rick Moranis played the the Merv yeah. character. It was Merv, and, and so Merv was the sheriff of Mayberry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so yeah. Otis comes in, oh, and on our next show, Otis the Cam... Otis Campbell the Drunk will come in.
3: Golly, Sergeant, this is the best surprise party I ever had. Doesn't he sound like Gomer? Fred Travelina is with us. I'm a
2: little worried about Opie, though. I'm supposed to go fishing with him. Yes, Merv, where is Opie? Good question.
3: Surprise, Gomer!
2: You're not Gomer. You're Fred. Fred Travelina. I love oh, you. Lord Merv, Otis has got and got Opie drunk.
3: <laughs> Otis, you're under arrest for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Come on, Juanita. Oh, Barney, I was just joking. Young
2: man, you come along with me.
3: Ooh, Floyd. Do you think maybe that Opie needs a haircut? Wait, <laughs> not? <laughs> I wouldn't be too hard on the boy, Merv. I wouldn't be too. Sorry. Is
0: this a. Oh, Fred, can you do Floyd? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh. But then they went full circle and they actually kind of made it into a talk show at
1: the end, right? Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. No, as far as not getting it, like one of the ones that um, I think I got it at the time, but I appreciate more and more. I actually have a photo of this skit in my bathroom above my toilet, believe it or not. That's too much information, but the five neat guys. Remember they did this, there was like a parody of the Letterman where they had uh, John Candy, Rick Moranis, Dave Thomas, and uh, uh, Joe Flaherty, each one had either the number five or N-E-A-T, and they would sing all these songs like their barbershop quartet, like, who made the egg salad sandwich? That was one of them. Uh, But they would have like dirty, Um, titles like uh, one of them was I've Got a Hickey on My Shoulder another one was She Does It and also Sandy has the largest breasts in town but they're singing
2: (laughs) 50 of the neatest hits from 5 of the neatest guys yes it's the 5 neat guys neatest hits remember let's have a party in my rec room let's have a party in my rec room on the same album. I
3: won't take just any girl around. Cause Patsy has
1: the largest press in town.
2: Yes, Patsy has the largest press and in town. You'll also hear She'll my kiss or goodnight. My mom framed my, my high school diploma. Slow dance anyone and does it she does it. The whole town says she
0: does it.
1: But they're singing like barbershop quartet, you know, totally nerdy. <laughs>
0: See, again, I barely remember that.
1: Well, now you've got a lot oh, to look up. You can enjoy this stuff.
0: Oh, oh trust me, I'm putting as many yeah. clips in this show as I can. Because yeah. when you say it, I'm like, God, did I see that? Or did I read about that?
1: Oh, but and it, then one it, of it, the... Yeah. Well, you no, of course you saw the Schmengies, right? That was one of the breakouts skits they had. I'm Stan Schmangie, and I'm your Schmangie, And we are the Schmangie Brothers, a Happy Wanderer, a polka time. Uh, they... You know, John Candy and Eugene Levy, they took that. They, I don't know if they have a movie, but they had all kinds of skits, and they brought it over to Letterman and stuff. And they there was a polka show in Canada uh, that they based this on. But uh, there's some really... They do, like, the Star Wars polka. If you look up on YouTube, it's it's just freaking hilarious. And then afterwards they say, And thank you to Rose for preparing the cabbage rolls and the coffee. You know, and, I mean, the the characters are so... uh, Billy Soul, Rock, and Billy Jim McBob, whatever you call it, Celebrity Farm Blow Up. Remember that one when they'd have all the rock acts on during the NBC years and then they'd blow them up at the end?
0: Yep. Oh, he blew them real good. Yeah. (laughs) Now, wasn't that along the same lines as The Fishing Musician?
1: Yeah, Gil Fisher, the fishing musician. I'm here in my cabin with the tubes. They're going to perform for you. But first, I want to show you uh, my cabin. It looks awful small, but it goes down 400 yards and sleeps 800. And, and then uh, and then they's like, they show me he's out with the tubes. They're in... Uh, like a swampy area, and the motor, he was like, and the motor kept getting stuck, and the Willie Nelson guy driving the boat got us out, but it took a long time, but thank God the Willie Nelson guy was there, and he—and then they'd fish, and then they came back, and then they sang the song, Sue, Sue, Sue remember that one? Gee, go, or talk to you later. I just, I just go nuts when I start talking about this stuff, because it brings, I love this show so much. That, uh, I w- you know, I don't. sometimes I don't like to sit around and watch these old shows because it's like opening the casket and I really enjoy yes, digging yeah. back in, but then you want to close it again, right? Because you don't want it to get spoiled for eternity, right? Like, okay, just a quick peek and then we'll close it, okay? But not with SCTV. I think I could watch all these episodes multiple times and still be like a pig in slop.
0: Well, you know, they probably were very lucky in the fact that the expectations in the budget was very low. Uh, they're doing the show that was going to be on whenever and it didn't really matter and so they were able to take chances like that and say hey you know what let's be yeah. bold. let's do something that's clever that's funny to us uh-huh. and I'll be damned if it you know if it doesn't hold up after 40 plus years
1: it really does and when you think about how power packed this cast is now maybe we should focus a little bit on the cast cuz I got a yeah. few things I want to talk. I mean I used to come home, I used to watch now I read on Wikipedia that it was on Friday. I don't know, for the life of me, I remember it on Saturday. But whatever, you know, the mind is a terrible thing. Yeah. It plays tricks. No,
0: it, it was, I know it was on Saturday after Saturday Night Live for a while, but...
1: Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's what I followed, was going to say.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, we'd watch Saturday Night Live, and then all of a sudden, oh, SCTV came on. and would be, oh, you know I mean? It'd be like almost but pirate TV.
1: This show, which, like, was nowhere near as ballyhooed as... Um, George Plimpton would say uh, as Saturday Night Live uh, did pretty well in terms of star power. Of course, we talked about John Candy, God rest his soul, died in 1994 at the age of 43. And um, uh, and then just, you know, Joe Flaherty. Now, he wasn't in a ton of stuff, but he's very well respected. Eugene Levy, I mean, Schitt's Creek, American Pie. Uh, Harold Ramis, I mean, this guy was not only in Ghostbusters and Stripes, but he wrote, or directed, rather, Caddyshack, National Lampoon's Vacation, Groundhog Day, Analyze This. I mean, this this guy is an A-list star guy until he tragically uh, died a little bit too young, 69 years old in 2016. Yeah. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, you know, Home Alone. Uh, Rick Moranis, huge star. And... Uh, and, and Dave Thomas and Andrea Martin, are, everybody knows that yeah. knows the show knows how talented they are. But um, let's talk about John Candy for a second. He was in movies while he was doing still SCTV. I didn't uh, know that. Wow. He was like, for example, he was in the Blues Brothers. As we remember, you know, uh, the cop chasing the Blues Brothers in nineteen eighty. Uh, Orange Whip, Orange Whip, Orange Whip, three Orange Whips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he was with Stripes, Dewey Oxberger. Uh, some people mm-hmm. say I swallowed a lot of. Aggression, along with a lot of pizzas. You know, 1981. Uh, he was in National Lampoon's Vacation. Sorry, sir, the park's closed. Yeah. The moose outside should have told you that. Yeah. Uh, summer Rental, an underrated movie. If you ever want to watch, like uh, just a light uh, summer comedy, Summer Rental, 1985. Now this is after SCTV, but the first three were during uh, SCTV. And then he, you know, his Pies de Resistance or whatever you say. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I think, or Uncle Buck.
0: Yeah, uh, see, I would 80? go with Uncle Buck only because okay. I, I just think that that's one of those comedies that holds up so well. It, it, it's just funny. It's just John Candy being John Candy. And, of course, Macaulay Culkin was really cute, and that character that they wrote for him was excellent. To me, that's one of the few comedies that really is funny from beginning to end. *Planes, friends and Automobiles is good, too, but I prefer Uncle Buck. Uh,
1: uh, also, from John Hughes... Uh John Candy was in Home Alone, of course, as the uh, he was another polka leader, unlike a, the Shmengies. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, um, Joe Flaherty, he wasn't in all that much after SCTV that I see. But do you know how old he? How old would you guess he is today?
0: You know, that's a. Gr- I was wondering what the heck his other because he shows up in things on occasion, but God, I have no idea. I don't he even was in guess, Happy Gilmore.
1: So he was hassling. and He was like. You know, he's in bits, parts, and stuff like that. But yeah, he shows up on stuff on occasion. But I think, and then he was um, he was teaching comedy uh, somewhere, but not really, you know, a ton. I think, uh, but um, eighty years old.
0: Okay, that seems about right, actually. But uh, yeah, all right. You know, I'll 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 put I'll put his his credits in the corrections because he's one of those guys that you like. You're like, what did he do? What's he been doing?
1: Right. Eugene Levy, we see all the time on Schitt's Creek, and I loved him in oh, American yeah. Pie. He's 74. Underrated uh, was, of course, he was in, oh, my God, these aren't underrated, but he was in, you know, the Christopher Guest movies, including Best of Show. I was just freaking hilarious in that movie where he's like, uh, he's like, do you want to dance? I have two left feet. Oh, come on. No, I literally have two left feet in <laughs> that show. He's got shoes that are pointed to the left. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Um, but then he was underrated scene, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation when he plays the car salesman who sells Chevy Chase, that ugly, bizarre station yep. wagon when Chevy yep. expects like the super cool car. Oh, no. Yeah. It's like, where, where's my car? I want it back. And then they show it being crushed. You know. um, but uh, what else? Um, Rick Moranis. He, here's something interesting. He's 68 years old, but he went to elementary school with Getty Lee from Rush.
0: Well, and we'll get to Getty Lee here in about 10 minutes. Keep going. Okay,
1: all right. Uh, but he, the interesting thing about him is he was married and had kids, but his wife unfortunately died of cancer in 1991. So Rick, he has been retired, not since 1991, but after a while, he realized I can't do this single parent thing. And I mean, he's been retired for a very long time yeah. and is just now coming back. He's currently shooting a feature film for the first time in forever. So he's getting back after it now that his kids are older. But a credit to him that he realized, you know, he can't keep this up. Um, Well, see, and I had
0: wondered about that because they did a a TV commercial with him. Remember? I think it was in the Super Bowl.
1: this year or last year. And that was kind of his kickoff to return to the screen, basically. But
0: everyone was like, oh, my God, yeah, Rick Moranis. Oh, we loved him. Where the hell has he been? And so I'm glad he's actually working. That's cool.
1: He is. And you know what? Let me just finish off with another note on Harold Ramis, just kind of talking about the cast, and we can get back to what you wanted to talk about, because I think you'll like this. First of all, Harold uh, passed away in 2014 at the age of 69. He and Bill Murray had been not on speaking terms for a long time since Groundhog Day, which is super successful, and I don't know why. But um, Bill Murray, at the behest of his brother, Brian Doyle Murray, says, you know, Harold's in bad shape, can you go visit him? Uh, And so Bill had a police escort with delivering all kinds of bunch of donuts with a police escort to harold Ramis, and they patched it up while harold was sick in bed at the end but um so i thought that was kind of cool but harold in his uh on the internet has a quote uh that i thought you would like having been in show business and being in show business Uh, And uh, he worked in a mental institution in St. Louis for seven months, and he later said of his time working there that it prepared me well for when I went out to Hollywood to work with actors. People laugh when I say that, but it was actually very good training, and not just with actors. It was good training for just living in the world. It's knowing how to deal with people who might be reacting in a way that's connected to anxiety or grief or fear or rage. As a director, you're dealing that constantly with actors. But if I were a businessman, I'd probably apply it to the same principles to other lines of work. So I thought it was kind of funny that he's basically saying that dealing with mental patients was great training to deal with Hollywood people.
0: Well, you know, after reading as many books as I have, I can imagine that he's probably 100% right. <laughs> uh, especially if some of those guys were Joey Bishop and Jack Carter and, uh, and Danny Kay. I'm trying to think of the other difficult people in show business.
1: <laughs> well, the last, thing, the last thing I want you to know is that rest yeah. in peace, not that this is a matter of pride, but just interest, Harold Ramis was laid to rest at a cemetery here in Arlington Heights, Illinois. So no that's that's at least two ce- celebrities, because we also have Cookie the Clown down the street from me in the Lutheran <laughs> Cemetery here.
0: Now wait, now on his on his headstone it doesn't say Cookie the Clown. It no, it just say, says
1: Roy Brown. But Roy uh, Brown, I I, yeah, I wanted to say doctor. Floyd
0: Brown, but yeah, Roy Brown, yeah. <laughs> who, who also of course was the voice of Cuddly Dudley. Hi,
1: Ray. And how are you today? You
0: today? We're off to Cuddly (laughs) Dudley's house. He's cute as he can be. With his hair of gold and his nose that's gold, he's cuddly as can be. He has Uh riddles and jokes and the fun that he pokes is never aimed at me. Here's the place that he lives (laughs) and the name that he gives is Cuddly. There you go. I can't believe I remembered that.
1: Well, that was, uh, and of course, he appeared a lot on Ray Rayner, and later on, this is for local people only. Well,
0: of course, no, but Cuddly Dudley was was exclusively on Ray Rayner, wasn't he? Well,
1: no, in later years, wasn't he also on uh, Garfield Goose after Ray left? But what, speaking of SCTV, a fake television network, um, Mm -hmm. what was the fake um, broadcasting station uh, or fake broadcasting network that Ray Rayner had?
0: Oh, because he had his microphone that was actually a tiny strainer, um, yeah. that and he had the call letters on it. Oh, gosh. I'll give I you a hint. I should know this.
1: PBS uh, were the call letters.
0: PBS were the uh-huh. call letters?
1: Yeah. The Pretend Broadcasting System.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I should have known that,
1: but... <laughs> I know you're going to have to I'll... cut this part out, but,
0: but... No, you probably won't, for God's sake. <laughs> Who cares? Listen... I, I had lunch with Ray Rayner a year before he died. I got more Ray Rayner stories than anyone who's still alive, for God's sake. So,
1: Well, my barber, he's now deceased, may he rest in peace, Longtime barber, Michael told me that he once cut Ray Rayner's hair while he was drunk. He was drunk, not Ray Raynor. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, what kind of barber do you go to? <laughs> well, you know, he was a cool guy, probably, you know, did didn't realize he had that afternoon appointment whoopsie and all of a sudden well we'll try it anyway
0: yeah he had one air he had one eye on your (laughs) hair and one eye on the racing form so it's like click 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 oh my god they're going long on the turf click 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 you know
1: (laughs) all right Uh. so that was my my cast rundown a little bit there's so much more that can be said hey was that a sound effect for Halloween, no, that was
0: like no, that was actually me leaning back in this chair that I paid $69 for. That I, oh. I need to replace greatly, yes.
1: I got, uh, I thought it sounded like Count Floyd opening the coffin. Oh,
0: that's scary. Was Did it? you now, hear that? Wait. Now, he's the guy that hosted the late night like creature feature show, right?
1: Yeah, so the SCTV news broadcast had Floyd Robertson and by played by Joe Flaherty, and I'm Earl Canembeir, played by Eugene Levy. Remember that newscast? And they'd have Floyd Robinson would always have big stories like, and a major earthquake shook half of East Africa today, thousands are dead, and and then uh, Eugene Levy's story would be. And there was a fire at the Mellonville doily factory today, and then uh, Eugene would get so upset, finally, he's like, how come I'm not getting any of these stories? He would just start making things up, you uh, know. <laughs> so I was like, and uh, a major asteroid threatens to blow up the world tomorrow morning. Earl, you're making that up. That's not true, that's fake. What are you doing? But anyway, Floyd Robertson, his part-time job was to be Count Floyd, who introduced, he was like the son of Senguli introduced horror sh- uh, show, uh, shows, Monster Chiller Horror Theater, and they were always in 3D, get your glasses, kids. Oh, that's gonna be scary, let me tell you. And then he said, let's watch a preview now, and then they'd show John Candy as Dr. Tongue, 3D House of Pancakes, with a big plate of pancakes. <whistles> Did you see those pancakes coming right at you? And he's like, all right, so it wasn't that scary. I don't know what the hell. But, boy, it's scarier in 3D, so get the glass. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, so um, that was his job. Does that answer your question?
0: That was the perfect answer. <laughs> uh, and, again, I just am so impressed by your memory. But I shouldn't, honestly, I'm really not, because over the years you have made so many obscure SCTV references that I sometimes get, that I sometimes don't get, and I'm like, my God, this guy really watched the show, and obviously you did. <laughs> well, yeah, a few times. All right, let's talk about the breakout stars of SCTV, yeah. mm-hmm. which of course were Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, and they oh, played Bob and Doug McKenzie, which, and I'm sure you know this, but I just want to pad my part a little bit. Was actually a throwaway segment that was ad libbed because for Canadian TV they needed an extra five minutes or four minutes because, Ah. yeah, because in American TV they run more commercials, so they needed extra time for the Canadian broadcast. So they said, Well, let's throw in this. uh, First, it was the Canada corner and then it was the Great White North because I think Canada (laughs) got mad. But it's, you know, and we all know all about wow. know, Bob Dylan's Bob I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is absolutely true. And of course, that that uh, morphed into the movie Strange Brew. And oh, you yeah. alluded to this. Uh, they made that record album with Rick Moranis' uh, kindergarten buddy, Getty Lee, that actually yeah. went to like number 14 on the charts.
1: Remember this song? Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> Take off to the gray, white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. But, uh, yeah, that
0: was a good well, movie. Hey, hey, coming up, this is me on the drums, man. This is me. No, that's not. Stop. No, that's me on the... Take off, you <laughs> hoser. No, you hoser. Take off. And then Gettysburg would come in with take off,
1: yeah. Oh, I was... And then they had the, the 12 Days of Christmas. Which, uh, yeah, we used to run day that day every
0: Christmas. year. Yeah, no, that's And <laughs> a
1: beer in a tree. <laughs> tree. That um, movie was good.
0: It was, it was really... It was, it was very clever. No, it was very successful. Um, and did you know that getty lee after doing that song it went to number 14 on the charts that was the biggest hit getty lee ever had in his life
1: you mean rush didn't even make it you're talking you're talking yeah.
0: no i'm talking getty lee and rush cuz i don't think oh rush was actually God. yeah but but yeah, yeah um uh, the biggest rush hit was and i wrote it down i thought um let's see uh yeah the only rush song one of them made it to 21 i think it was um wow. what was it Working Man or something. Oh, man. yeah.
1: That's uh, it? Oh, my God. Yeah. Rush yeah, was one no. of those bands that only guys liked, it seemed like, right? Yeah. Did you ever meet any yeah, girls that, that right. were a Rush fan? Yeah. yeah. No. Hey, well, Hosehead. You
0: know, I, 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 yeah, I didn't meet many girls in high school at all. But, yeah, Rush was definitely male-oriented. There's no doubt about that.
1: Hey, Hosehead, can I tell you something? You want to know what game? What, what? Hey, hey, take off, hey. You know what game we played no. in high school based on – Great White North, well, Beer yeah, Hunter. I
0: I, beer Hunter, that, that, listen, you didn't play any games in <laughs> high school. I know you You were in detention the whole time. Hey, no, I'm out.
1: serious. We. They had a skit where they would take two or three cans of beer, shake it up. Yeah. It's like Russian, and then you open it <laughs> next to your hand. So we did that in the hallways with um, ginger beer, which we would buy from a place down the corner that sold sandwiches. So we played... You know, maybe on one or two occasions. Beer Hunter. Get the freshman over here. Hey, come on. You want to play? Sprays all over. But got that from the great white north. I mean, that's That's how... What an impact it had on our lives that we actually enjoyed. You know, soiled the hallways of Arlington High School with
0: soda pop. But, you know, I got to tell you something. And I was a huge Bob and Doug fan. Those were the the ones that I really loved most on on TV. But when Dave Thomas... And I don't know what year it was. It would have been early '90s, I guess. Remember when he was in that uh, that sitcom, yeah. *Grace Under Fire*. *Grace
1: Under Fire*. Yeah.
0: And I remember I was so disappointed because I'm like, "My God, here's this guy." And by the way, we got to talk about his Bob Hope in a second. But I'm like, "Here's a guy who's just been so creative, and now he goes to this really middling sitcom, oh. and he's playing this really middling character that wasn't funny." And I just Not thought funny like at all. he was. Com- no, I felt like he was selling out. Let's get back to his Bob Hope, because you can still see a lot of those clips. Uh-huh. On, uh, and, and first of all, he does a And Bob Hope is not an easy person to impersonate. No. I mean, how many guys do you know that
1: do a Hope? You <laughs> and Dave Thomas. That's about
0: it. <laughs> right. Beat Kmart! No. <laughs> yeah, the only. Yeah, that's the only Hope I can do. But... Literally, his Hope was so spot on, and he did it so well, he was poking fun at Hope, but he was never really mean, and he and Bob Hope became very good friends. Is that right? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Because if you watch the clips, you can tell that Dave Thomas is like, uh, this is Bob Hope. He owns all of California. He probably owns one half of NBC. He could make one phone call and have me disappear forever, for God's sake. And this was <laughs> this is when Hope was still, you know, cognizant. This is when he could still speak.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: But and so when, when when Dave Thomas is doing it, it's funny, it's a parody but he's basically just doing kind of the showbiz Bob Hope, you know, who's, you Here's know,
1: kind world, of a b- yeah.
0: You haven't made a movie in 11 years,
2: and yet there's always rumors that you will direct one. If you did, what film would that be? Geez, I don't know, I don't know. I thought a lot about that, you know, there's a little package we're trying to put together now, it's a remake of the greatest story ever told, you know. We're gonna put that sucker together. That's a big, big number. Do you have any, do you have any ideas what kind of effects are in that thing? That's a huge number. Well, of course, we got, uh, got a number of people who've been considering for the lead for the part of Jesus. Let me make a guess. Go ahead. Knox von Sydow no, repeating no. his role. No, no, we got, we got another guy in mind that we think would be real good. Gil Gerard, do you know Gil? 25th century, Buck yeah. Rogers? yeah, yeah, he's terrific. I think he'd be great as the Lord and as Mary now that's more of a I don't know I I, I Phyllis Diller that if I ever did a serious movie that I'd give her a good part you know I might, since she's got her looks back she's tempting for that role but I might I might give her one of the older chorus girls <laughs> I give her that role instead. have you never been tempted to direct yourself you being such a cinema buff yeah well that's what I'm gonna do with this greatest story ever told you know I'm gonna play Tiberius and then also direct Beerus do you see this as a Christmas release yeah we kind of hope to bring it out at Christmas with all the other comedies so it is a comedy yeah oh absolutely well you don't think I'd do a drama do you this is the greatest story ever told and it's the funny version of the greatest story ever told
0: and Dave Thomas told a great story about later in life when Bob Hope was starting to get a little sketchy you know his his mind was starting to go (laughs) and and Bob Hope calls Dave Thomas like seven o'clock in Hollywood in the evening and it says, Dave, he says, will you come over? He says, I, I, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. And Dave is like, and he had been to Bob Hope's house before. They'd socialized. He says, Bob, of course, I'd be honored. I'll be over in an hour. So he gets in the car. He drives over. And he gets to Bob Hope's house. And Bob Hope looks at him. He goes, Dave, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh and Dave realizes, uh-oh, he's getting, it's not one of his good days. So Dave, in a masterful uh, 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 improvisation it says, Bob, do you remember that picture you told me about of General Eisenhower pissing in, and I forget whatever uh, the famous river it was. Uh, maybe it was uh, the Rhine River. Am I even saying that right? Uh, yeah, R-I-E-N-A. it was
1: Patton pissing in the Rhine. But anyway,
0: that was it. Yes, thank you. He said, "You." He said, "Remember that picture." He says, I want to see that picture. Oh, yeah, Dave, come on over here. Yes, thank you so much for filling in the blanks on that one. But Bob wow. Hope, I guess, had had the original copy or whatever, you know, and so, so Dave came up with that ad lib to save Bob Hope's ego, you know.
1: Oh, my God. Well, that is, so, that is a great story. Did we talk about Ed Grimley yet, Martin Short's contribution?
0: No, we didn't. Now, Martin Short, he
1: wasn't on the full run, was he? No, he joined. I don't have it here, but he joined later. Right. And, uh, he, you know, he was a member of the SCTV, I mean, Second City in Toronto. So he was Canadian, came up through the same ranks, but wasn't part of the original cast. I think he joined after Harold Ramis left. And so it would have been maybe like an 82, or 81 or 82 or so. I don't know. I think it was. I don't know. We have to look that up. But anyway he joined later. But he had some memorable characters. I mean he like I said, he played Fred Rogers in Battle of the PBS Stars, but he had that character Ed Grimley who had that kind of pointy reverse funnel haircut and he would wear the he he, he would dance around and he'd have his pants all up. He was super nerdy and was like, I can hardly wait for Christmas, I must say you know, it was the you know, and uh, the boy who could hardly wait for Christmas, and he was just an uber nerd, I guess. And they even carried the character over to Saturday Night Live when um, yep. Martin Short was on Saturday Night Live. And um, but he would always use the phrase, "Almost, I must say, uh, you know, I, I'm really feeling good today. I must say, but uh, I, I'm doing a bad job of describing it. But every people that have seen Ed Grimley know that that is a uh, That's a classic Martin Short character.
0: He's really tried a lot of things, and I worked for an NBC affiliate at the time when he had his own talk show. Do you remember that? Oh, I do, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, obviously it was called the Martin Short Show, and I remember watching it, but he tried to do so much. Like, he'd come out, and then he'd do some jokes, and he'd sing a song, because he's not a bad singer, but... You know, I mean, he's not a great singer. He's not Sinatra. He's He's no Tony Danza. He's no Tony. No, no, actually, he is Tony. That's a great comparison because it's like, well, okay, Tony can kind of sing, yeah. You know, and and, and he would try to make it funny like he was poking fun at himself. So he would put, like, funny captions under his song, like, you know, uh, like uh, uh, Martin... uh, Martin wanted to actually sing baubles, bangles, and beads, but his manager wouldn't let him. <laughs> or, you know, uh, 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 Martin's pants are too tight, can't you tell? Or something, you know, just like little asides and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and rather than, you know, when Carson did the Tonight Show, and of course he's always the gold standard, but he'd come out, do the monologue, maybe he'd do a bit, and sometimes the bits were good, sometimes they weren't that good. But it didn't matter because, you know, Johnny was always kind of, he really didn't take it that seriously. And then he'd have the <laughs> yeah. guests come up. Whereas it, it was like Martin was really taking it seriously. Yeah. You know, and it just, it didn't work. It didn't work.
1: He was over the top with everything that he did, basically. And yes, very it good. Up, no like, subtlety. Too much, yeah. yeah. But uh, and it was a shame because, like a, yeah.
0: no, 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 I, I wanted it to be good. And there were some funny things. Like he did, he did the Jiminy Glick character on that show for the first time. Oh, that's right, yeah. I thought that was really funny. He went out to the Emmys, and no one knew who he was, and he went to the red carpet, and he interviewed everybody. And I remember he interviewed Dennis Franz, who was up for NYPD Blue. Dennis Franz, I love you. You're the best. You know what? I loved you in Saved by the Bell. (laughs) (laughs) And Dennis Franz, because, you know, he's a Midwestern guy, he's like... that was some of my best work, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and then he's interviewing Julianne Margulies, or, or one of the gals from ER, and yeah. she's there, and she's, you know, dressed to the nines and she looks great, but she can't, she can't stop touching her hair and her dress. She's obviously so concerned about her appearance, so she's walking. She's not even paying attention to who she's talking to. And he says, Julianne Margulies, you look beautiful. What, 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 what show are you in again? What is it? <laughs> and, and then she says, oh, I'm in ER. And he goes, ER, ER. <laughs> <laughs> and she totally doesn't get, she, and of course, she didn't know it was Martin inside the fat suit, you know. Oh. But, oh, and it, that to me, if I can find that, I will put clips in this podcast because he totally blindsided everybody at the Emmys, people that he knew, people that were probably his friends. And they're like, what the hell is this? And, of course, then everyone got... When people got in on the joke and he would interview them, it was, okay, well, you know, we're doing a bit. Yeah, I, I know, it's Martin Short. Yeah, once they're
1: in on it, that's not funny anymore. It's like when Mike Myers was doing that fake character host of the Gong show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, after a while, it's like, okay, now we know it's a bit... It could stop now. It's okay to stop it now, you know. Uh, no,
0: you're, but and the thing is, it's so hard because some of the stuff that was on NBC... Was actually taped in Canada like a year or two before. So when we saw it, some right. of the guys really. Weren't. So it's so disjointed, it's so disheveled, it, it's so hard yeah. to really put a timeline on anything.
1: Uh, right because they came and went. Candy and O'Hara left and then they came back. Uh, Harold Ramis was not on only at the beginning, but then he came back for one or two. Uh, Martin Short was in there. And then there was Robin Duke and. Tony Rosado, who nobody talks about them. We haven't even talked about them. You mentioned his name. They weren't too bad, but they, they were on Saturday Night Live after that for a while with Martin Short. Yep. And that's why they did it as an NBC show, apparently, is that Dick Ebersol, who was one of the co-creators of Saturday Night Live, went back to work on SNL and they had a hole in their Saturday lineup where they had to come up with something, and so they basically punted and said, let's grab SCTV, and we'll show 90 minutes of it, uh, because uh, I guess it was the Midnight Special had just finished up. Or whatever. Right, uh, yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, so they used it as a filler for a couple of years, basically. And thank God they did, but... Uh, it was. It was just like, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Just grab that. Put it. Put it on the air. You know. Now, now, uh, who was the host of the
0: midnight special? I, I can't imagine you
1: can ah, the impersonation ah, of him. <laughs> I tell you what, Jim, my favorite broadcaster uh, compared to you is that a little bit cooler, Wolfman Jack.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should end it like that. Do you have anything else you want to add?
1: Because that's a good ending. <laughs> No, I guess that would be, that would be about it. Except right, to say, no, this now it. concludes our programming day.
0: <laughs> All right, this is Jim with a record-setting edition of Corrections. It's going to be record settings that's going to be so goddamn short. Peter Billingsley, yes, he was in Real People. So, plus one for John Kuhn, minus one-half for Harry. Now, Peter Billingsley was also in the, the kids' version of Real People, but he was on The Real Show, so John was right. And the only other thing that i got to talk about is Joe Flaherty, his resume. Not that impressive. He really never had any sort of a breakout role. He was a semi-regular on King of Queens, and on Freaks and Geeks he was a featured performer. Actually, I think was a regular, but unfortunately, Freaks and Geeks was canceled after a short period, after only one season. And actually, here for like the last 20 years, Joe Flaherty has been doing some teaching, so there you go. That's it for Down the TV Rabbit Hole. Thank you very much for listening, and so long now.